I want to welcome all of you back to Chip and Eric reading through the Bible podcast. And welcome Chip back to the room after blowing his nose. <laughs> Thank you, Eric, for letting our faithful <laughs> listeners know that I actually do blow my nose. Yes, it's good. During readings. Hannah very famously told me once that she's excellent at blowing her nose. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't noticed. You're excellent at hiding the tissues. I am. You're really good at that. Yes. Uh, here's a little peek behind the scenes. Chip was just looking all over the place for the tissues. They were literally literally right next all to over the place in the third floor. Yeah, different rooms. Searched the and entire right third next floor, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I got them." Trash the place. I mean, Mike, when you see oh, this, gee. it's yes. trashed up yeah. here. Well, yeah. hey, but he needed those tissues. That's right. Hey, so welcome back. We are picking up again in Second Kings. Uh, we we kind of saw the handoff between Elijah and Elisha, and uh, now we're going to continue on with that. Here in 2 Kings chapter 5, a little-known fact, Chip's middle name is actually Naaman. Chip's to for Naaman Bungard. So, yeah. uh, so we're going to read about his namesake today. Can't wait. The healing of Naaman from 2 Kings 5. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present myself as Naaman. I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. <laughs> well, yeah. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he'll learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. <clears throat> so Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message, saying, Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and the Abana and the Far Par better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. But his officers tried to reason with him, and they said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Then Naaman said, All right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other god except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master the king goes into the temple of the god 
Rimon to worship there and leans on my arm. May the Lord pardon me when I bow too. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. The greed of Gehazi. Uh Uh-oh. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set off after Naaman. When Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right, Naaman asked? Yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me, ooh, Mm -hmm. to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give them. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants and sent them in back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. When he went to his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, Don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle and male and female servants? Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. The floating axe head. This is 2 Kings chapter 6. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, the place where we meet you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River, where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said, so he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. Elisha traps the Arameans. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, Do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops here. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert, be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. 
When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a feast for them and sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Ben-Hadad besieges Samaria. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver. Wow. And a cup of dove's dung? Yeah. Wow. A cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. Must have been a chipneric cup. Yes, it was <laughs> definitely that. Five pieces of silver for your chipneric cup full of dove dung. A dove dung. <laughs> double D. A double D will do you. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, Please help me, my lord, the king. He answered, If the lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I've neither, uh, I neither, I don't know where I'm at. I have neither food from the threshing floor <laughs> nor wine from the press to give you. But the king asked, What's the matter? She replied, This woman said to me, Come on, let's eat your son today, and then we will eat my son tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So we cooked my son and ate him. And the next day I said to her, Kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. Oh, that's not fair. That's rude. Yeah. What a rude thing. Yeah. When the king heard this, he <laughs> tore his clothes in despair. Come on. As the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under his robe next to his skin. Yeah, because he tore it. He, yeah. Can see. May God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders this very day, the king vowed. Elisha was sitting in his house with the elders of Israel when the king sent a messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, A murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps following him. While Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived and the king said, All this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Second Kings 7, Elisha replied, Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That shouldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But, but Elisha replied, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Outcasts visit the enemy camp. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We'll starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we'll starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and galloping horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into the tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news. We aren't sharing it with anyone. 
If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what happened. We went out to the Aramean camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeepers shouted the news to the people in the palace. Israel plunders the camp. The king got out of bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I know what's happened. The Arameans know we are starving, so they have left their camp and hidden in the fields. They are expecting us to leave the city, and then they'll take us alive and capture the city. One of his officers replied, We had better send out scouts to check into this. Let them take five of the remaining horses. If something happens to them, it will be no worse than if they stay here and die with the rest of us. So two chariots with horses were prepared, and the king sent scouts to see what happened to the Aramean army. They went all the way to the Jordan River, following a trail of clothing and equipment that the Arameans had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king about it. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Aramean camp. So it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver, just as the Lord had promised. Mm. The king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but he was knocked down and trampled to death as people rushed <laughs> out. Kind of like people rushing to a Chip and Eric concert. That, it happens more yeah. than you might think. Oh, I know. Yeah. So everything happened exactly as the man of God had predicted when the king came to his house. The man of God had said to the king, By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. Well, the king's officer had replied, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. And the man of God had said, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. And so it was, for the people trampled him to death at the gate. Wow. Second Kings chapter 8. This is it, guys. Stick it out. It's a long reading. The woman from Shunem returns home. Elisha had told the woman whose son he brought back to life, Take your family and move to some other place, for the Lord has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to see the king about getting back a house and land. She came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, Tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was retelling, or Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord the king, Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now, and this is her son, the very one Elisha brought back to life. Is this true, the king asked her, and she told him the story. So he directed one of his officials to see everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of the crops that had been harvested during her absence. Hazael murders Ben-Hadad. Elisha went to Damascus, the capital of Aram, where King Ben-Hadad lay sick. When someone told the king that the man of God had come, the king said to Hazael, Take a gift to the man of God, and tell, then tell him to ask the Lord, Will I recover from this illness? So Hazael looked down 40, loaded down 40 camels with finest products of Damascus as a gift for Elisha. He went to him and said, Your servant, Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, has sent me to ask, will I recover from this illness? And Elisha replied, go and tell him, you will surely recover. But actually the Lord has shown me that he will die. Elisha stared at Hazael with a fixed gaze until Hazael became uneasy. Then the man of God started weeping. What's the matter, my Lord? Hazael asked him. Elisha replied, I know the terrible things you will do to the people of Israel. You will burn their fortified cities, kill their young men with the sword, dash their little children to the ground, and rip open their pregnant women. Hazael responded, How could a nobody like me ever accomplish such great things? <laughs> Can you imagine saying that? Yeah. 
Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you are going to be the king of Aram. When Hazael left Elisha and went back, the king asked him, What did Elisha tell you? And Hazael replied, He told me that you will surely recover. But the next day, Hazael took a blanket, soaked it in water, held it over the king's face until he died. Then Hazael became the next king of Aram. Jehoram rules in Judah. Jehoram, the son of King Jehoshaphat of Judah, began to rule over Judah in the fifth year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. But Jehoram followed the example of the kings of Israel and was as wicked as King Ahab, for he had married one of Ahab's daughters. So Jehoram did what was evil in the Lord's sight. But the Lord did not want to destroy Judah, for he had promised his servant David that his descendants would continue to rule, shining like a lamp forever. During Jehoram's reign, the Edomites revolted against Judah, crowned their own king. So Jehoram went with his chariots to attack the town of Zaire. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders, but he went out night and attacked them under the cover of darkness. But Jehoram's army deserted him, fled to their homes. So Edom had been independent from Judah to this day. The town of Libna also revolted about that same time. The rest of the events in Jehoram's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Jehoram died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Ahaziah became the next king. Ahaziah rules in Judah. Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, began to rule over Judah in the twelfth year of the reign of Joram, son of Ahab, king of Israel. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem one year. His mother was Athaliah, a granddaughter of King Omri of Israel. Ahaziah followed the evil example of King Ahab's family. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Ahab's family had done, for he was related by marriage to the the family of Ahab. Ahaziah joined Joram, son of Ahab, in his war against King Hazael of Aram at Ramoth-Gilead. When the Arameans wounded King Joram in battle, he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds he had received at Ramoth. Because Joram was wounded, King Ahaziah of Judah went to Jezreel to visit him. Okay. Okay, that was a pretty hefty reading there, right? Yeah. Man. Pretty hefty. You think uh, You think Shannon's still listening even though it's not in Korean? There's a lot of good drama. It's not Korean drama. Yeah, she loves Korean drama. Yeah, yeah. she yeah she yeah she picks us up every once oh, in a while. All right, all right, good. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> she wants to make sure I'm doing my job. I guess. Big shout out to Shannon. Oh yeah, love that. Yeah, please send her a lot of love, a lot of flowers. Yeah, do that, but yeah. sign them all chip. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay, well, do it, dude. That I forgot. I mean, some of the stuff I haven't read in a while. But yeah. Like Elisha looking at that dude and just starting to cry. Yeah. That's a crazy. That's a crazy moment. Floating axe head. Floating axe head. But Eric, my so what goes back to this little young girl. To the young girl. To the young girl. The unnamed. Yes. The young girl had a huge impact. Yeah. She really basically kind of saved this guy's life and had a huge impact in his life, Naaman. And she had a suggestion and she kept pushing it. That's true. And, and God used her. We don't know her name. Yeah. It's not mentioned. Yet God used this young girl to make a huge impact in Naaman's mm-hmm. life, and it was pretty cool. So if God can use a young girl unnamed, you know, God can use any one of us. And and sometimes I think, I keep trying to tell myself this because we live in a world today where everyone wants to be an influencer, and you want to get your name out there, and everybody needs to know your name, and you have your own YouTube channel and your own <laughs> podcast like we do. Yeah. 
but we, we would never put our names on. We have to check ourselves as well. You we do, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We got to check ourselves. But I think it's okay to be unnamed. I think it's okay to go yep. in obscurity under the radar yep. with humility. Just yep. get the work of God done. Right. She got it done, and God used her. And so we don't know her name. God knows her name, and she's blessed by it, and rewarded for it, and and very grateful uh, for the this young girl. And so. Um, regardless of who you are or what your name is or if anybody even knows just find out what God wants what you can do to serve somebody else to help bless someone else and do it and I think if you want to check yourself at the door do it in obscurity do it under the radar and do it um, without people knowing at times you know sometimes they, they'll find out but just kind of do it do what God tells you to do and don't worry about getting the credit make sure he gets all the honor and the glory but so I'd say be willing for God to use you and yeah. be okay if nobody knows. No one knows. Love that. And you have no idea the size of the impact you'll have. It's true. Even just by speaking wisdom to someone like she did. Yeah. You know, you have no idea. And the reason I say that is because that ties directly into my Where's Jesus. Oh, wow. Pretty cool, right? So Jesus tells this story in Luke chapter 4 about Naaman. He references it. But this is so meta. Like, this is beyond... This instance in Luke chapter 4 is the first time in history someone does a where's Jesus. Oh. Jesus does a where's Jesus. He stands up in the synagogue in Nazareth. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he, then he began to speak to them. <laughs> the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled on this very day. So he did a where's Jesus. Mm. And then later in the passage, a little bit down here, they're, they're saying, you know, the people kind of challenge him. They're saying, isn't this just Joseph's kid? Mm. Like whatever. And then Jesus opens up and says, Listen, I'm here to do more than just minister to the Hebrew people. Let me tell you. He says, you undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown, Nazareth, like those you did in Capernaum, where he started. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. But Elijah wasn't sent to any of them. He was sent to a foreigner. A widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. So the idea of expanding outside of Israel even, not just outside of Nazareth, but outside of Israel. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of Elisha, Mm. but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. Yeah. And it all goes back to that girl. Yeah. Wow. It's so true. Right? So Jesus is able to testify about the fact that he came to set the Gentiles free Mm. and to bless the Gentiles. Hmm. Because of that girl yeah. who spoke to Naaman. Yeah. Crazy, crazy impact. Yeah, that that is crazy. It made me th- I know we're going over today, but I just talked to my I talked to my dad every Monday and he talked about the Roe v. Wade overturning and yeah. he says, I can't Chip, I can't help but thinking all the all the great people that weren't allowed to live. Yeah, and totally and this girl could have been one of them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. look at the impact she had that that led, yeah. that points to Jesus. And 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 what if she was taken, you know? And uh, yeah. and so people matter. Uh, totally to true. God, life matters. And so, um, yeah, this little girl. It's amazing. It could be that one. Somebody else could be the one. It's amazing. Well, I got goosebumps Good. from that, so we're gonna end it there. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. Thanks for joining us today, guys. And the wild's good. <laughs> that's right. Hey, we're going to be back in Second Kings tomorrow, so get excited. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a good. One. We'll see you there. Another king. Woo!